welcome back to another episode of the Digital Discussions Unfiltered podcast. You may have noticed that there's new artwork. Yesterday, I did actually celebrate one year of publishing my first ever podcast. We'll forget about the trailer. The trailer doesn't count. Um, but in a year, well, you know, we're on episode 57 and I honestly cannot believe it. So much has happened. I listened to episode number one the other day and oh my god, let me just tell you the cringe was next level. And it just goes to show that when you kind of keep doing something and keep practicing, you will always get better at it. You know, when I started recording the podcast, it would take me so long to edit, to record them. And now I just press record and just go for it. So it's a confidence thing, isn't it? And it's one of those things we just have to keep doing consistently. But I'm going to record a whole nother podcast on that at another time. But there are going to be a few changes around here as well. I will make you aware of them in due course. But for right now, uh, today I want to share with you my conversation that I had with the lovely Emily Mumford from Ink Bottom Press. She is an incredible copywriter. And in this conversation, we talk about so much. There is a brief, potentially controversial rant about the new kind of lockdown social media managers that have made it into the world. We talk about, you know, if you're struggling with selling and if you're feeling icky, about how copywriting can be the easiest way to inject some commerciality into your product descriptions, your Instagram captions, the whole shebang. Uh, How and why you should be evoking emotion. Em shares a bloody brilliant analogy uh, called the drinks party. And, you know, she has genuinely just changed my mind about copywriting. You know, I've been open and honest and transparent about the fact that writing isn't my forte, but she has helped me just through this conversation alone. And now I will warn you, the audio isn't of the best quality. And I'll be brutally honest, that's really pissed me off. But, you know, it's a, it's a podcast. If the audio is rubbish, then it's rubbish. But when we were recording it, there was a slight dip at the beginning, but it sounded absolutely fine the rest of the way through. But please bear with it. There are some absolute golden nuggets in there that you will absolutely learn something from. M is an incredible character, an incredible copywriter, and this was just such a lovely conversation that I couldn't throw it in the bin. So, as per usual, if you find this of use, please feel free to share it. Make sure you share your any feedback, any comments with myself and with M. I will add all of the links to the show notes as per usual. And so without further ado, here is my conversation with the lovely Lovely, 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 lovely Emily Mumford from Ink, Pot and Press. Enjoy. Okay. Hello, lovely Em. How are you? I am good. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm so glad the day is almost over. I'm not going to lie. I know, right? It's been it's been a day today. Even over here, yeah, it's, it's been, been a day. A day. So before we get into the conversation, with every guest that I have on the podcast, I like to challenge them to introduce themselves as a human being rather than as a business in 30 seconds or less. And to spice it up a little bit, uh, I do have a stopwatch. But all that I ask if you go over the 30 seconds is that you make a small donation to the charity Mind because it's quite close to my heart. So do you think you're up for the challenge? 100% I am up for the challenge. There was some like grit and like pure confidence there. <laughs> yeah, definitely up for the challenge. Love and it. even if I don't go over, I will absolutely make a donation to mind because they are so important. Love it. Thank you so much. Right, I'll count you in. We'll do a three, two, one. Ready? Okay. Yeah. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so uh, my real name is Emily. Donna has just introduced me as M. Um, I am a little country bumpkin from Nottinghamshire in the middle of the UK. I have apparently got an obsession with the number two. I run two businesses. I have two horses and two children now. Um, did have two dogs, but we lost one last year. So yeah, a bit of a weird obsession with the number two, but that is pretty much me in a nutshell amazing and you did it in under 28 seconds what a pro I feel like you practiced that did you practice it no (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I um, so I have... didn't, but I'm I'm not that interesting. So. You're just obviously a very concise person. It's quite funny because somebody challenged me to do it during one of my solo episodes. So I asked a question yeah. and answers and someone said, but you've never done it. So I tried it. I did it in a, one minute and 11 seconds. I was like, yeah, I'm not very concise. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> oh, well, it's fine. It's fine. It is what it is. But the obsession with number two, that's interesting. Is there, yeah. like, is this a known thing? Is there anything from, like, previous, like, adult life that the number two kind of impacted as well? Or I don't think so. I think I'm just a bit greedy. I can't just have one of anything. <laughs> Although, husband, no, I've got one husband, so. Okay. But other I just... than that, <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> I'm really glad we cleared that one up, to be honest. <laughs> yeah it could have been awkward but no yeah I, I don't know I just seem to collect things in twos so yeah it's nothing conscious it's just a subconscious thing that I seem to do fair enough why not and yeah. I'm so sorry to hear about you lost a, a doggy that's so sad oh yeah no she was um she was super old she was 14 she was a black lab that we'd had right from being a puppy and she was awesome but it was her time she yeah her, her quality of life had started to go downhill so yes she went may last year so yeah lockdown which was pretty that was pretty hard but yeah yeah it's it's a fact of life and that's the way that we've always looked at it and i suppose living out here in the countryside and being sort of part of a, a wider farming family and things that's how we've always been brought up so but no i miss i do miss her dearly actually i really do miss her so, yeah. yeah animals are so not necessarily underrated but I think people just don't we don't really realize the connection that we have to them do we until no. you know, it's as you say it's a fact of life they're always gonna unfortunately yeah. probably pass away before we do but yeah. it doesn't make it any easier does it so no not at all no my um my old horse I had him till he was 26 and I had him from a five-year-old so he had been through everything with me all the adolescent stuff all the teenage stuff meeting my husband all that kind of stuff he he'd been the one that I'd gone and sat in the stable with and like a little weird thing chatted everything <laughs> yeah but they him. are like therapy yeah they they're are like therapy yeah yeah completely in fact one of my horses is called P and he is my therapy because if I get on him I can't think about anything else because it's likely I'll end up on the floor so he's a really good mind clearer is P he absolutely is but yeah they are they are such a leveler animals are and and but they are a massive massive part of my life and always always have been so in fact I was going to be a vet that was my life life goal when I was younger and I missed out on going to oh I missed out on going to Edinburgh so I applied for a place at the Royal Dick Veterinary College at Edinburgh at the University of Edinburgh and um I missed out by a very small margin because I didn't get the A I needed at my my A levels. So that was, yeah, that was hard. That was really, really hard. But it meant that I went and did English instead at Edinburgh. I did English and classics. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. And it sort of led me to where I am now. So everything happens for a reason. And I am a very, very big believer in that. So, yeah. Love it. And that moves us on very, very nicely as to why I asked you to come and be on the body. Hooray! So, Em, tell us about your business. What is your business? What do you do for a living uh, on, you know, one of those, one of those businesses, not the uh, equestrian side? (laughs) Ah, now you see the other, my other business is um, my, well, my, my husband and I run a tree surgery business. So yeah, it's, that's a completely separate separate wowzers yeah no no, it's ridiculous so um my real business and the reason that you've asked me on your amazing podcast is that I run ink pot and press which is um just me I just hide behind the name um and it's a copywriting business I copyright for incredible brands and wonderful people um and yeah so I spend all of my days writing words which is just a dream an absolute dream I mean personally it sounds like my idea of hell but (laughs) that's why people like you exist right exactly (laughs) that's exactly why people like me exist because we're a little bit odd and we love to write (laughs) and yeah and we can we can help people like you who don't particularly like it 
Um, we can have. Um, I fucking hate it. There is no beating around this. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I sort of know, but yeah, no. It's I just I just love writing. I I'm one of those weird people who used to sit and read books at sort of five, six, seven, eight. I'd disappear off and be hidden in my room, and my parents would find me reading a book, and it's never lost me. Lost me, never left me. So. Um, all of my jobs up till now have involved some sort of writing and, and some sort of marketing and promotion, but it's always come back to the words. So, yeah, that's what I do. I am a, a little copywriter. Not a little copywriter. You're a fucking boss. So, um, no, thanks, tell me, tell me about Ink Pot and Press. When did you, you know, how long have you been going? How did it all start? So, obviously, you went to uni and did English, which is, I mean, it feels like a pretty much prerequisite for starting a copywriting business but not everybody does start like that so when did it come no not at all um so I didn't even really start like that I have had a very very wiggly journey to where I am now um the only constant has been yeah I know all of the best of us (laughs) um but no it's been a really wiggly journey so I have always had kind of the consistent being marketing promotion copywriting social media all that sort of stuff Um, But I worked for predominantly family run businesses, actually, up until 20, let me get this right, 15, 2016. I don't even know when I started. How bad is that? I think it's, I think think I'm five this year. So I think it was 2016. Um, And I was working a lot of hours for a wonderful business, um, but it sort of wasn't working for me anymore I'd got my little boy and I just kind of thought hang on a minute I'm working all these hours during the week for someone else and I'm not sure that I'm okay with that anymore and believe me it was my dream so I worked with um really brief because a lot of people won't even have ever heard about it or know anything about it but sort of equestrian sport is where I started my real kind of love of copywriting and and writing words and promotion um and so I used to work for a big event organizer and you may well have heard of things like Burley and Badminton which are two of the biggest ones that we do in the country we organized the ones a level down from that so they were still huge they were still very very highly attended by the public and all that sort of stuff and I worked very hard for them for three or four years and I was getting to work with my idols sort of all the time which was just amazing but blah, 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 my family had to come first and my health had to come first and it was all starting to suffer so I kind of made a massive leap but it was it was not a into the unknown type of leap because I'd been approached by quite a few individual athletes and other brands to go and do their stuff for them on a freelance basis so I was incredibly lucky that I could walk out of employment into self-employment and have work um yeah and that's where that's where ink pot was born basically um but it looked very very different very different it was all pr and marketing there wasn't a focus i hadn't niched down i was doing anything, Ooh, everything that everybody i know but yeah so i hadn't i hadn't focused put it that way um and i was i was exploring what i wanted to do and just having such a lovely time and earning money for doing things that i didn't think people wanted to pay other people for so it was yeah it was it was a baptism of fire definitely but i just loved it so yeah that's so interesting though because i think so many of us start in a very similar way And it's not until when you're kind of going through it, you feel like it's just you and it feels like this is really scary and maybe no one's ever going to want to pay me. But, you know, my first client was one of the old suppliers at one of the old TV shopping channels that I used to work at. And and that's what got me started. And it's so crazy because at the time I was like, nobody's going to want to pay me for this. But it was because it was new to me. I'd been in employment for the last 10 years yeah that's exactly it so it's crazy but it's so nice to hear that you know it's not you're never just that one person so it's so cool yeah it happens all over and I think I think a lot of it was to do with personality more than anything and yeah I had built up a really good rapport with a lot of people through the job that I was doing and I imagine it's exactly the same with you you built up this relationship with with people who were involved in your old job and actually they invest in the person first and then when you first start out, you kind of make your skills fit what they want rather than yeah. them fitting the skills that you have. So, yeah, it, it's 
it's really refreshing to hear that it happens and it happens absolutely all over the place not just kind of with us I think yeah and the other thing is that like I think so many this whole kind of hmm, that word niching when people you know in our world now it's common knowledge to have a focus to have a niche but when you work in a bigger business you do whatever gets thrown at you you do whatever the hell you're told to do there's no you know so many people laugh at me when I say well I used to literally do everything and they're like what and I'm like PPC SEO ads email like throw it all at me that was my job and they're like that's nuts and I'm like yeah but that's common yeah I was exactly the same I was exactly the same it didn't matter as long as it was loosely related to a service that I could potentially offer I mean I remember one client asked me to do a load of SEO work for them and I was like you always do what like I'd heard I'd heard about (laughs) SEO and I knew what SEO was but I mean I'm going back a few years here and I so it was sort of the the birth of SEO if you like Um, and that for me was something that was insane but I said yes I said yes I'll do that no problem and I was working I was working for someone else at the same time but they were quite happy I was working freelance for them so they were quite happy that I was doing other stuff and this must have been kind of 15 years ago and and I was just like yeah yeah I'll do it no problem I'll do it I'll do it here I'll charge you £2.50 for it and I'll do it it'll be fine and I spent (laughs) hours searching what like for what SEO was how to do it this was in the time where you used to like block put your keywords yep. in white yep. at the bottom yep. of it. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. But it was all that sort of stuff. And you'd go, yeah, I'll do that. It's no problem. Because you're thinking, I'm not earning any money. What am I going to do? I'll figure out how to do it later. I'll just say yes. And I think it's so common. And actually, I wouldn't have changed that for a, for a thing because it gave yeah. me the opportunity to find this, to find what I'm doing now. And really that's only come about in the last six months I've only really kind of said no no more I'm not doing anything else other than right words for people and it's been revolutionary but it's taken me a long time to get here and I like I say wouldn't have changed wouldn't have changed it for the world but I think that's so refreshing to hear as well because I think so many people start a business and just kind of make that assumption that they should know what they're going to do and they should have it all figured out and I think until you actually just take a punt and chuck it in the fuck it bucket, which seems to have become the term that I've coined in the last couple of weeks, you're just never going to know. So it's so nice that you've just said that. But actually, that's one thing that I wanted to talk to you about because I feel like I saw that change happening. So Yeah, Yeah, you did. You you will have done. what, what, What happened there then? So what was that? What happened to kind of make you niche to make you kind of make that definitive no I want to write words for people so um I started with a copywriter that was my first real proper job while I was still at uni um and I wanted to get some experience in commercial writing so started with her so it's always been in the back of my head that actually copywriting is a thing people pay a lot of money for it and we were writing for Boots and Thorntons and Orange and all sorts of really exciting really huge companies we were there at the inception of uh jewels so you know the big country clothing brands we were we were sort of a part of a lot of big brands which was amazing and while I was kind of her PA I was also writing bits sort of ghostwriting for her which was brilliant and that seed never left me it never went away it was what I always wanted to do but I didn't again think people would be up for paying me to write words for them I couldn't tell people why I could write I couldn't tell people what it was about me that made me a good writer I just seemed to be able to be effective and to persuade people with words so um when I started Inkpot I did like we said absolutely everything PR social media marketing journalism didn't matter I did it for people Then I started to slowly move into social media management as that became more and more vital for businesses. They wanted me to do more and more of that. So I kind of slipped into it without really knowing and without really wanting to. And I didn't like it. (laughs) We've all been there. Don't worry. We've all been there. (laughs) But it's it's like it wasn't I didn't like my clients. I loved my clients. I just didn't like what social media was becoming because it it's been so fast the kind of 
shift in social that that I found it very very difficult quite early on so I was looking for a way of not having to actually physically do stuff for people when it came to social because it was affecting me in all sorts of ways because I get so invested in my clients I am 100% in if I'm working for you and then if you get a bit of a nasty comment on a social media post it hurts like it cuts deep so I'm like no I can't do this like it's bad enough my own stuff I can't do this for everybody else so I had to kind of rein it in a bit and then lockdown happened and the need for education and for people to upskill themselves and my need to continue to be able to help people led me down the not coaching because I, I wasn't a coach necessarily but mentoring route so I was guiding people who already really knew what they were doing not necessarily teaching them anything new but just asking questions that made them go in certain directions and the direction was entirely down to them so I had been coaching mentoring whatever you want to call it social media for oh god for like eight or nine months probably I had been doing it before with clients that I'd got that I was working with I'd also been doing a lot of coaching and mentoring them on on sort of the same kind of level but I took away the done for you stuff and really went hard on helping as many people as I physically could with their own social media because my theory was you might employ me now to do your social, but are you going to be employing me in 10 years time? Probably not. If I give you the skills and the tools now to be able to do that for yourself, you can only grow and get better with that. So it's actually going to save them one, a lot of money in the long run, but teach them a new skill. So that was my theory with that. And then I very slowly, so I've it's always been a merge of my, when I've moved direction and when I've pivoted, so I started to bring in a bit of copywriting mentoring and I did, I had a lot of clients doing a six week mentoring course with me, individual one-to-one and the results that we got, and when I say we, it was actually the clients really, again, I was just asking them the questions they needed to be asked, were outstanding and I'm still, still get them messaging me saying, I wouldn't have done this, look at what I've done, like my, my SEO is getting me on top page in Google and that's entirely down to what you've taught me or my website's getting loads and loads of inquiries and that didn't happen before I changed the copy and all I've done is change the copy. So that was really, really lovely. But I started a business to be free freedom for me my family financial it doesn't matter freedom has always been my buzzword if you like it's it's what I need in all walks of life big open spaces are my thing and I was being shackled by having to be in front of the computer screen x amount of hours a week because those clients were relying on me turning up and coaching them I can write copy and quite regularly do at one or two o'clock in the morning if I want to or if I need to (laughs) and with two children two horses and two businesses occasionally that is entirely necessary (laughs) so (laughs) I was I was finding it harder and harder and harder to give the time that my clients wanted and deserved to them without then resenting that time that I was giving to them again love them as people but it just wasn't fitting with me and my world Whereas this, this is my soul food. This is what I do. And I literally, and I sound so bougie and a bit woke about it, but I absolutely love my job. I I find it hilarious that I call it a job because there is never any resentment. There is never any, oh, I've got to write for this person or I have to do something about this because it just fills me with joy. And I knew the minute that I said to my own sales coach I was like this isn't right is it what we're trying to do we're trying to force something here that isn't right I want to go back to copywriting and she was like thank god for that I couldn't (laughs) tell you that's what you needed to be doing but it's what I wanted to say to you for the last like god knows how long your heart is in copywriting you are a wordsmith it's what you want to do go and do it for god's sake so that's how that's how we got to where we are now. That's amazing. But it's so interesting that you have to go through that journey. You have to do those things. And so many people underestimate that. And so many yeah. people want to bypass that. And I'm like, but you don't, 
you don't really realize what it is that you love because no. you know we've we've all done the same I've done exactly the same thing I fell into social media man- I was like no I can't be fucked to do this every day <laughs> I don't want to get out of bed no I don't want to answer Jean's question in a Facebook group it's totally fucking irrelevant <laughs> yeah and you yeah. just hate it don't you and then you just kind of think well is it worth it And I was like, look, one of the reasons I left my corporate job was because life's too short. So what am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing? 100%. No, that is, it's 100%. It's all about life being too short and enjoying every single moment that you possibly can. Yes, there is shit that goes on. And yes, life is hard. But if you can't eke the joy out of, one being self-employed like you are entirely in control of what you do if you are self-employed there is nobody else on the planet unless you're in a partnership in which case nothing you can do about it but (laughs) there isn't anybody else who can tell you what you should or shouldn't be doing or what you should and shouldn't be offering and if it doesn't sit with you and it doesn't fit it's not right. Change it. You know, you, yeah. you you have to go on that journey, journey. Oh, I hate that as well. But you have to. You have to get to the point that you're at by experiencing life and experiencing the stuff in life that you don't really want to do. Because until you know what you don't want to do, how do you genuinely know what you do? You know, it, yeah. it looks and there was actually, this could be a little bit controversial, but there was an, a mass of brand new social media management companies individuals that appeared and bless their hearts for coming up with something that during lockdown while they were on holiday or while they were on furlough or all that sort of stuff from their jobs they were they were looking to earn money they were looking to help people and that's amazing but it's not that easy it really isn't as easy as really good social media managers make it look. And there are some incredible SMMs out there, like unbelievable. And I absolutely bow down to them all because I think they're wonderful, but it isn't as easy as it looks. And I think it's often the things that look the shiniest on the surface. If you haven't gone through the back kind of the background of it all, you could end up getting quite a nasty shock. So I'm so glad you said that, though, to be fair, because I think I'm not being funny. Anybody that listens to this knows me to a degree. I love controversial. Bring it on. But it's so true. People see it as when you just post on Facebook and I'm like, "Mm, if only it was that easy. And then it's those kinds of people that there's it's funny. There's a couple a couple of weeks ago, uh, a lady, local lady who I know of, ripped off one of my pages off my website. And I just god it would be so easy to get angry but you know we've already established i'm not a copywriter so if you think i'm getting sales through that page good luck hun because more for you (laughs) yeah (laughs) but also it was the fact that you know she's a social media manager she's got no experience whatsoever so she's kind of the type of person that you just described and you know i get it humans we have to do what we have to do if you've got kids and bills and i get it but don't pretend to be something you're not. Don't say, I can do this, when actually you're posting, you know, a stock photo that you found somewhere and a caption that has no relevance, no strategy, no call to action, nothing, and is going to drive nothing for the business. And then charge 50p a post. Fuck yeah. me, I yeah. wouldn't get out of bed for it. No, and it's and it, it does. I mean, I could get really riled about it. It does, it genuinely, it's with the same with everything. And it is, it is that like, it's that shiny thing so it's the same as Instagram and when Instagram triggers people and influencers and people with 200 followers who are going out to brands and saying send me loads of free shit and I will quadruple your sales and you're like and having been on the end of or the other side of a lot of Instagram accounts that people don't know I'm there it's really interesting the stuff we get and the people who send the, the messages as well really interest me but I just I think Unless you've been on that journey of discovery, to give it a really woke term, it, it's you can't know and you can't have the experience behind you to really genuinely understand what it is that you can bring to somebody else and what it is that you can bring to someone else's business. And I could have gone on and carried on doing social media. I was getting 
okay results for people. I'm really bad at blowing my own trumpet, but you know, the results were good. We were right, go, going in the right direction with everything. And by results, I mean business. I mean, commercially, their social media platforms were working for them. So the, the clients were happy. I was all right about it. And I could have carried on doing that. And I could have probably got better and better and better and charged more and more and more. I've been doing it for a long time, but it didn't work for me. And so I took the bit that did. And believe me, I bloody love writing captions for social media. I love doing social stuff for stories. And Instagram bios are like one of my favorite things. And I never thought I'd say that, but I can, I love to inject like a bit of commerciality into stuff. And I think people think that's a bit of a dirty word. But if you're not in your business to make money, why are you doing your business? Well, you don't have a business, do you? That's exactly it. It's a hobby or it's, you know, and wonderful. If you are running a charity, incredible. If you are doing something as a hobby and you want to offer it to people for free because that's your soul food and that's where you get your buzz from, amazing. But if you're running a business, money has to come first regardless and it I find it really difficult when people say oh I'm not interested in the money I don't really want to earn money and I'm I'm an absolute bugger for saying yeah I'll do things for free for people no problem of course I will because I either love the person or I want to flex my muscles a bit like and I'll do (laughs) stuff and I although I haven't done anything for free for quite a long time and because if you do things for free you're not going to be doing them for very long but but it for me you've you've got to put money first and the easiest way of injecting some commercial focus into your business is through your copy. It, it's just the easiest way. It's hard to to get in front of a camera and say, I'm going to sell this stuff to you now and I want you to buy it. And I, I can't necessarily help. I can write scripts and stuff for people, but I can't necessarily help people to do that. There are people, there are loads of people out there who can, but to inject a bit of selling into copy it's just common sense it shouldn't feel icky and it shouldn't be unnatural it's hard to write about yourself and it's hard to write when you're super close to a business but actually if you're not telling people why you're why you're there and what you're selling how do you expect them to buy it and if you're not expecting them to buy it or not expecting them to buy it sorry you don't have a business like you just said so that's kind of that's one of my big driving forces um not necessarily, I'm not coming over and saying, I really want to make millions and millions of pounds. Who doesn't? You know, my one of my whys is to help other people, to help beautiful business owners, to help brands that are out there doing incredible things. And value led is a massive, massive thing for me, whether that's the business as a whole or whether it's the, the individual. But money matters. We can't yeah. get away from it. So so true. And there's so many things that you've just said in there that I could pick up on. It's the fact that, you know, on a day to day basis, I work with small businesses and they just say, like, I can't sell that. It's icky. And I'm like, if you don't, who who do you expect to do it for you? Because I'm not going to. But in a way, you've kind of made me think differently already in that. You know, I think one of the things, so I have a group program that's aimed at product-based businesses. And one of the things that we go through is the fact of, I really enjoy psychology. I understand, I like understanding why humans do the things that we do and how we act, all that kind of stuff. And one of the points that we touch on during that program is the fact that people react to different content differently. So obviously we have visual people and we have, you know, words people. I'm a visual person. If you were to put an incredibly well-written piece of copy in front of me with a really crap picture, you've already lost my interest. But in the same fashion, there are people that just love words and don't take that much interest into the imagery. But actually, by you saying, you know, the easiest way for you to up that kind of get rid of that ickiness and the up the salesness is not through, you know, if you're not confident to... I go on stories every fucking day. If you're not confident to do that, the easiest way to quote unquote hide yep. behind that message is in written form. So actually that makes total sense. Yeah. Words make an incredible shield. They are a wonderful veil, if you like, to put down in front of you and your business and you can detach yourself. So 
obviously yes. one of the major things, major, major things in copywriting is emotion. You need to evoke emotion. If you can't make someone feel something through the words that you're using, you're not going to make them buy. You're just not. So it's it's a really delicate balancing act, I suppose, because there are lots of people out there who get too passionate and go too far into things. And that's why they're not making sales. I love people like that. They're my favorite because they're there for a reason and they're there. Their motivation is not necessarily money and it's not necessarily, it's their love of what they do. And that for me is so easy to capture and put in a bottle, if you like, because the bottle is the written word. It's the people who stay too safe. They stay really safe. And they're, this is what I do. And it will be done over three weeks and you get this this and this and that's wonderful and that's a really nice place to start but if you're not going to tell people how this this and this impacts their life and the benefits that they're going to see and make them feel something about those benefits and about the impact the copy isn't going to work for you but it's so easy to bring that in as part of a veil that you can pull over yourself if you really don't want to get on camera I am hopeless about getting on camera I don't know why I have a big thing about it once I'm there I'm fine I love it and I can chat away for hours on an insta live or whatever but the thought of sitting down and making sure my hair is all right and everything everything (laughs) is working fine I mean the, the start of this was technologically almost a nightmare um, but we turned it off and turned it back on again, didn't we? So it, it's fine. But it, but there's so much that you have to consider when you go onto video. And I am not telling anybody not to because it is the single best way to get people to know you, to get people to like you and to start building that trust. And as we know, no like and trust is the way that you get people to buy. But, but if you are a little bit nervous about doing that, changing up your copy to be more salesy is the number one way to increase the sales into your business yeah and would you say so kind of I talk a lot about that evoking emotion and just touching on something regardless of what that is so many people laugh at me when I say it doesn't doesn't matter what emotion it is you know how nine times out of ten my dad told me off the other day for something I posted on Instagram because he told me to stop pissing people off I'm sorry I was evoking an emotion right yeah and by yeah, make them feel repelling them some feel people something. Yeah, by repelling yeah. some people, I'm going to attract the right people. Win-win in my in my world. But 100%. Do you think that that is kind of one of the the downs, one of the pitfalls of what kind of the mistakes, let's go with mistakes, that uh, some small businesses are kind of making, you know, whether it's on Instagram or anywhere else? Well, that they're not evoking an emotion, that they're, yeah. they're, they're staying a bit vanilla. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So... I use an analogy. If you are at a drinks party, right? Remember those, you know, where you used to drink and (laughs) and talk to people inside. Um, If you are, in fact, we'll be allowed to do that again. If you are at a drinks party and somebody comes up to you and they are effervescent and they are vivid and they are just a wonderful character and they are letting you see that, they are not holding anything back necessarily, but they aren't in your face. They're not pushy. They're not arrogant. They're just an all round exciting person to be near. You are going to remember what they were talking about. You're going to want to know more about what they are talking about because they have a personality and they have a character, whatever that character and personality is. If you are at a drinks party, and we've all been there, where we have been left with, the one in the room who, bless their heart, is a little bit shy. Conversation doesn't necessarily flow properly. They're very robot about stuff. They keep everything very safe and very vanilla. They don't really want to talk to you. So they're kind of keeping things a little bit closer to their chest. You're not going to remember what they were trying to say, are you? You're... Yeah, it's about (laughs) getting people to remember you and getting people to remember how you made them feel. And that is exactly the same in in your writing and in your copy. If you can, like we've said, evoke an emotion, doesn't matter what that emotion is, just make them feel something sad, happy, angry, inquisitive. It doesn't matter. If you can get them to to feel something and to do something, they're going to remember you 
and they're more likely to come and buy whatever it is you have. And that is service-based, product-based, doesn't matter. The principle is exactly the same. So it is about injecting emotion in your copy to get other people to feel that too. Tell stories, get excited about yes. stuff. Yes. And how how would you, what kind of advice would you give somebody to be able to do that in, say, an Instagram bio? Because I think so many of us, I, I'm going to hold my hands up. Absolutely. I struggle with my Insta bio 100% because there's only so many characters, right? And yeah. before we hit record and I pre-warned you about the 30 second intro thing and you went oh crap totally forgot and I said well you know I did it and I did it in a minute and 11 seconds because yeah. I'm not a concise person to give me a set amount of characters to tell people who I am how I can help them what I do and evoke an emotion how the fuck do I do that practice mate practice so it is hard it's really hard but when it comes to insta bios the one thing that I would say to people is keep it simple don't try and be too clever with something like an Insta bio. Yeah, absolutely in your captions, absolutely in tweets and LinkedIn posts, Facebook posts, whatever. Be clever. Blog posts, write as much as you like on a blog post. For goodness sake, long form is my jam. So keep writing. But in an Insta bio, it has to be functional first before it is anything else. Because if you don't capture your audience with that bio, they ain't going to scroll to have a look at what's on your grid. And they're certainly not going to follow you because you're not telling them straight away what they're going to get from you. And who has the time to investigate what you're going to get from somebody's Insta? Nobody. It's just rude expecting people to. So for me, it's functionality over anything else. And actually, if you don't evoke an emotion necessarily within that bio, it's not the end of the world because you've captured people already because you told them what you're going to offer them and that is the most important thing so the searchable bit at the top you need to make sure that that is something and yours is brilliant yours is absolutely brilliant you need to make sure that's something that people will be searching for so with me I am M copywriter and that that is just because I want people to know my name for a start because it is just me and copywriter is something that people are searching on Instagram for so that is that is quite an obvious obvious way to go with it but then I will say I I can't even remember what my bio is I did it that long ago but it's it's about setting your stall out then so what you're going to offer people how you're going to offer it and then how do they take advantage of that offer so if at the mo if say at the moment you've got a course running or you've got something that you're selling you've got a launch coming up for god's sake make sure your link is either to the sales page for that thing or is to a links page on your own website. That's something that drives me mad. Link page to your own websites, because once you've got them on your website, they're yours. If you send them to Linktree, they ain't. So get them onto your website, but then make sure that you have got a call to action in your bio that directs them to that link, but tells them what they're going to find at that link. So if it is just literally that you haven't got anything going on at the moment, you're having a bit of a quiet month because everybody needs multiple quiet months in a year, <laughs> then, well, if you're anything like me, you do, then send them to your website and say, find out more about whatever it is that you do, or take a look at my website, or even better, sign up to my email newsletter and direct them, straight to, <laughs> direct them straight to the link to sign up to your newsletter. And that actually should be, in my opinion, what you get people to do at any period that you're not actively selling something get them onto your newsletter list because I mean we could talk for days about how important email newsletters are but that is what an Instagram bio needs to do it has to be functional so tell them who you are tell them what you do and tell them how they can take part in what you do or invest in what you do buy what you do and then send them somewhere that you want them to be that is it Right, my, come on, let's do this live. Sorry. Let's do this live. I'm going to read you oh, my Insta bio. God. My current okay. Insta bio. Okay. Just, just tell me if it ticks a box. Okay. So mine currently says, yeah, go on. I help yeah. product-based business owners yeah. sell more, make more, and enjoy it. Making digital marketing simple with training and support. And yeah. then I've got on a new line how I help with two little arrows down to my my link in my bio. There is literally nothing wrong with that. 
There is nothing wrong with that. You've smashed it. I sort of wish you hadn't because then I could (laughs) have... actually need me Lorna you're all you're all right you just crack on I can't even tell you how much I do need you mate I'm not (laughs) (laughs) but you know you have smashed that because you tell people who you are what you do how you do it and how they can how they can get involved that's all you that's literally all you need to do with an Instagram bio all you need to do tick 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 anybody listening to this that is your template to follow and if you don't follow it then we're going to tell you how to work with them in a second but is that kind of that's kind of where we'll wrap it up? I think if, you, if yeah. that's all right with you, I've just, I've yeah, just noticed how long is. we've been talking. It, it feels I, like we could talk for hours. Literally could, literally could. Nuts. Um, so I guess yeah, I guess that's probably the key bit of advice from this is yeah. check your Instagram bio, make you know make sure you're evoking an emotion, and actually, hopefully, um, you'll agree with this. Any emotion. People, yeah. honest to God, people literally laugh at me for pissing people off. I enjoy no, do it. it. Yeah, do it. Do it. I mean, don't attack anyone, for God's sake. But if you no, God, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not advocating, like, attacking or trolling. But if you can, if you, if you can evoke an emotion, if you can get someone to feel something, and that can even be irritation, if you can irritate somebody enough that they remember you, and then you can develop a relationship with them to show them why you're irritated by it, and how to solve that problem and why you would want to solve that problem you've won a client and clients you know it's like partners isn't it I didn't fall head over heels in love with my other half the minute I saw him he won me over so it's exactly the same thing why wouldn't you try and win clients over who don't really really agree with what you're saying like for me not being a human being on social media or in emails or all that sort of stuff there's no point to it that people buy from people and there's a human being behind everything be as controversial as your natural character dictates that you are. It's, it's do you think? You. Do you think there's any particular? I feel like I've got something in my head, but I kind of want to see if you have it before I say it. If okay. that makes sense. Oh, Is there any particular kind of phrase or any particular thing that could help with that kind of attracting and repelling certain people? <laughs> you mean self-selection so when you're for me for me so I don't think there is I don't think there is now you probably do but that's just how different brains work so it's exactly the same as human relationships so a relationship between mates a relationship between work colleagues you're going to like some people and you're not going to like other people and that's going to be based on their values it's going to be based on the things they say but it's also going to be based on their personality now, I it took me a very, very long time to accept that not everybody is going to like everything that I say and not everybody is going to want to work with me. Um, and I find it fascinating now when people get really caught up in the fact that somebody didn't want to work with them or that somebody said, well, I don't agree with that. Because yeah. that for me is about being a human being. And like I said, people only ever buy from people. That's that's the whole point you only have to look at where amazon started where apple started microsoft they're all single people one person companies that started through having conversations with other people through market research talking to each other and that is exactly where you should go with your business because that's what it is it is your business and i know that there are a lot of people out there who are very reluctant to put themselves at the head of that business and I think service-based business it's often it's often a lot easier to do that because you're buying into a service that one person is going to be giving you product-based businesses I can understand how that would be a little bit more tricky but it's still super important that you are able to inject your personality into everything you do so your imagery your copy because that enables people to self-select if they don't like what they read, you ain't their sort of pe- person. If they love what they read, they're going to want to find out more. And again, who has got time to have discovery calls with people who aren't going to fit with them? Who's got time to answer email after email after email about the dimensions of a bloody bag? Or they're not—they're not your people. They're not your people. So it's about 
self-selection for me and that comes from asking questions of the reader all of the time if they don't answer yes they're not your person or if they don't answer no whichever way you're trying to get them to answer they're not your person but also it's just fucking exhausting trying to be something you're not right (laughs) isn't it yeah who's got time for that no one has got time for that no one and and no one should have because every single person on this planet has something to offer and that is what their magic is just let people I'm see just it so glad that's that's just the way that you've answered it because it's so funny you're right like I'm a, a bit the same I get fascinated by people that are like well you know they, it's almost like they have this they've made up this story in their own brain and we all do it that they're going to work with x person but if you know if the personalities don't gel of the business owners and all of a sudden they take it personally and I'm like yeah but there's eight billion people in the world hun like yeah. go and find someone else you'll be fine yeah that's something actually really quickly because I know that we've got around <laughs> really quickly ideal client work that that fascinates me more than anything because everybody I've worked with and I mean everybody I have worked with as a mentor as a coach even a lot of brands actually because I the the most important question for me is who are we talking to who am I writing this for then I ask what I'm writing about because if we don't know who we're writing for you're never going to be able to speak to them well enough to get them to buy so ideal client work is incredibly valuable but the amount of people who came to me with well I would like um, a woman who is between 18 and 50 who has a disposable income of three thousand pounds a month who lives in a mansion in in deepest darkest Surrey who has 74 dogs and blah 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 and I'm like right okay why 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 they're probably not a very nice person why do you want why do you <laughs> yeah. want to work with that person and they're like oh well I thought that was who I should be wanting to work with ha <laughs> ha well there's your problem because you shouldn't you should not ever be trying to work with somebody who you think you should be working with you want to be working the word with people should who, has got to be banned yeah exactly you want to be working with people who you want to work with who getting out of bed in the morning they make it exciting they make you want to get in front of a screen with them or write for them or send emails for them or manage their social media because they are the right person for you not they are the person who you think has enough money to pay you that's not not the way to do it and that all comes down again to self-selection but also to really looking a little bit deeper inside you as to who personality wise you want to work with it's not all about how much money they earn but also how you talk to an 18 year old and how you talk to a fit. I always do this when I when I work with clients, I said, but how you talk to a 25 year old or a 21 year old that's at university and how I talk to my mother, yeah. two completely different ways. Yeah, yeah, completely. It can be done. It can be done, but it is incredibly difficult. And actually, I would challenge anybody who comes to me and says they have a genuine ideal client that spans that much age-wise yes some of your services might have individual ideal clients that's fine we can work with that but actually your core ideal client what is the real age range of the people that either your product fits or that you want to work with because again they should be the same thing yeah in my opinion and I think like just to give context before we wrap it up the reason I asked you that question is because some people have found it very shocking that a lot of people won't work with me because I publicly swear. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, yeah, you know, so I said, oh, wow. I actually was writing someone <laughs> today. No, I was writing something for a client today and I wrote shit hot in it. And I actually caveated that with a little bracketed thing in red saying, I'm not sure if you're okay about swearing in your emails, but I think it would be really valuable at this moment in time (laughs) because I don't and I find it bizarre when people won't work with people who swear I swear far too much according to my parents um I don't swear in front of my children obviously and I don't swear when I shouldn't be swearing you know when society dictates you shouldn't be swearing but I haven't actually sworn much in this which is interesting but I do I don't find that at all offensive it is passion it's passion for me and I but think for some but for some people that is offensive and I'm all right yeah. about it and that's that's yeah, what I exactly. find really fascinating because I'm like if you can't handle me swearing on a video swearing in a podcast 
when we have one-to-one client calls, it's probably going to happen. So if it offends you, remove yourself and go and find somebody else. No problem. No, exactly. Because like you say, there are 8 billion people out there. There is going to be somebody who fits the bill for you better than I will. And I have found it a big, big part of what I do now has come from my terror at people not wanting to work with me because I've always been a people pleaser. And so I was, I had molded myself into something that I wasn't necessarily comfortable with because it was who I thought I had to be to work with these people. That is completely the wrong way around. And by coming full circle and going back into copywriting, I wrote my website in less than a day because I knew it fitted. It just resonated. It was like, bam, this is what you should be writing. And I couldn't stop myself. That's when I knew I got it right. And that's and I injected myself into that copy. And that's when I was like, yeah, you know what? This is this is where I want to go. And currently I'm working with some unbelievable people. Like you would have had to slap me around the face 10 years ago because I'd have gone weak at the knees and not been able to like string a sentence together. But I'm working (laughs) with these people based on what I've said on my website, but also my personality and who I am. The people who I'm not working with and who don't want to work with me, I don't even hear about anymore because I have got so precise in what I've written and so precise in the messaging that I put out there. I don't attract them. They just don't they don't appear anymore and that's really good and so that's an amazing win that's a win that's not a it's not a bad thing it's 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 the aim surely it's the aim to do that is to only have contact with people who want to work with you and who genuinely get your value and understand where you're going with stuff and that's for me that was the ultimate goal I need to find myself a new one now amazing so we can literally talk for fucking days i think but uh one question before we tell everybody where they can find you and work with you and all that great stuff that i've started asking guests because i find it fascinating what their answer is but you you weren't preempted about this question so it'll be interesting to get your insight good right um what does success look like to you now this is really interesting so it has changed massively over the last six months, probably. But success to me is genuine happiness for myself and my family and all of the people that I deeply care about, coupled with financial security. Nice. Very succinct answer. Love it. Thanks. Thanks. That is it. But also, can I make it slightly less succinct? In that my success has always been measured by the success of people around me. That's the sort of person I am. If my clients are making sales and their businesses are growing and everything is going incredibly for them, I have been successful. If my husband is happy, I am a successful wife. If my children are thriving and growing and being beautifully all-round little people, I'm a successful mother. And I have always and will always measure my actual success of the success of people around me oh that's so lovely little people I love that (laughs) so for anybody that's listening to this that has totally fallen in love with you rightly so and wants your help in terms of writing amazing copy whether that's insta bios sales pages website copy whatever it is please tell people where they can find you online how they can work with you and all that great stuff so I'll be super quick on this one as well. Um, my website is, it's all very, very easy. It's um, inkpotandpress.co.uk and my Insta and my Facebook are both at inkpotandpress. I'm just about to revise my Pinterest again, inkpotandpress. I've kept it all very simple for people. Um, but yeah, so, and I write words for whatever people need words for. I am doing a exciting little package at the moment, which involves me waving my little magic copy wand over your sales pages. So if you have an existing sales page for a launch coming up or product descriptions that you would like looking at from a copywriter's point of view, I am doing that for people. I ran it back in April and it was more successful than I ever thought it could have been. And a lot of the clients that I worked with then 
have gone on to see very good results, which is quite difficult for me to say because as though I can sell other people, selling myself is beautiful. <laughs> but, but yeah, so it's it's a little copy, a package that involves me waving a magic wand over your sales page or product descriptions and also your Instagram bios. So that's what I'm running at the moment. You'll be able to find all the information on my website. But again, if you want to talk about bespoke copywriting, I am always, always here. And at the moment, I have a couple of spaces left, I think, for the end of June. So, yeah. Amazing. And as always, I will pop all of those links in the show notes so that you can get to them super duper quick. Go and give Emma a follow on the gram. Go and check out our website and make sure you book her because I feel like I probably need to. So make sure you send one of them slots for me, I think. <laughs> Done, mate. You've got a slot anytime you want. You know you have. Thank I you. I feel like I've been so called much. out. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't do it on purpose, but if the cat fits, check. <laughs> Love it. Thank right. You. Thank you so, so much, much for your time. It's been a bloody pleasure. I loved every second. Thank you. No problem. I'll talk to you soon. See you later. Bye.